Graham Norton on Virgin Radio. With Waitrose. Hello there, Graham Norton here with a fresh new edition of the Graham Norton with Waitrose podcast. Let's see what's in store. John Power, the cast frontman himself, is here to chat about the band's new album, Love Is The Call, and a special gig they're doing for us here at Virgin Radio on Valentine's Day. Shoshif Martha has a chocolate treat in store, and of course, Maria McCurlin is here solving your dilemmas in Graham's Guide. Hey, how are you? Because there are no trains, because of engineering work and strikes, and so I am down the line. I'm all right, Graham. How the devil are you? I'm very good, actually. I had quite a good Saturday night. Uh, watch the Masked Singer. Do tell, do tell. Watch the Masked Singer. And I got very excited because I thought, because Chris Evans on uh, Breakfast Show with Cinch, uh, he was on uh, on the radio talking about how he nearly said yes to the Masked Singer, but he's not doing it. Da, da, da. And then last night I thought, oh! It's a double bluff. He is Dippy Egg. I just believed he was Dippy Egg. And uh, <laughs> Dippy Egg got revealed last night. And I was very excited. No, it wasn't Chris Evans. Uh, it was Nicky Campbell. Well, who'd have thunk? Not... I'm, trying to, I'm trying to engineer some enthusiasm for this, Graham. But well, it was, it was tell, lovely because Davina McCall, McCall, of course, works with Nicky Campbell. She and, does, on and, the lost family. Long yeah, lost she, family. Didn't, she didn't get any of the clues. And, uh, and then they, there was a very weird moment when he then had to sing without the top of his uh, egg on. And uh, he started to cry and she cried. And so maybe oh, they were my just, goodness. I think they were just remembering long lost families or something. I don't know what they were doing. Long lost dippy eggs. <laughs> You can't make an omelette. <laughs> I went out to a party last night, oh, Graham. Oh, stop I know. it. I had to inform the local press that I was leaving my house. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, it was very good. I had a lovely chat with lots of nice people. And we were, you know, vis-a-vis what we were talking about yesterday about everything is very grim. And, you know, this, we all moan a lot about everything. And everyone says, oh, everything's broken. We had this game where we had to turn everything into a positive. So instead of, you know, so the trains today, yes, but it means we get to spend more time with our families, etc., etc. Oh, I see. Nice. That sounds like an awful party. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was during dinner before we all started throwing oh, our okay. arms and legs around like mad things to the very, very loud music and the lovely DJ set by Antonia Decent. Oh, my Marvellous. A DJ. And uh, did you get overexcited and uh, kind of dress a bit Show too off. fancy for uh, what is essentially just a dinner and a person with a record player? <laughs> I had some very, very big dangly earrings on. That was my that was my sort of attention to detail and puffy sleeves. There, that's that was me dressing up. Puffy sleeves. The rest was pajama bottoms, obviously, and slippers. Yeah, obviously, because you know, no, no one does those sorts of pictures. Uh, well, how nice for you that you went to a party. I haven't been to a party in. I can't remember the last time I went to a party. Like I literally cannot remember the last time I went to a party. I must have been at yeah. one. I must have been well, at one. We're, we're quite sure. What I want to ask you about this morning. Oh, please, please. You, about is there's a new thing you know we all get those sayings wrong graham yes um not i say we all not me um like uh, a damp squid etc instead yes. of a damp squib and i don't want to be too pacific here instead of specific yeah. and an escape goat instead of a, you know, all of those yeah there's a new one that has come to my attention in the last couple of days and i've heard it twice in as many days which is Holding down the fort. Now, surely I thought it was, I'm holding the fort. When you hold the fort, you hold it against attack, don't you? You're holding it. With, yes. It's still holding. The engine, can he hold it, Captain? All yes. of that. So where did holding down the fort? You don't hold it down. It's well, you batten down the there. hatches. You batten down the hatches. 
Oh, so maybe they're conflating two sayings. Yeah. Battening down the holding hatches the and holding the fort. Holding down the fort. Holding down... You do hold down something. What do you do? I don't know. Yeah, um, uh, you hold down a job, uh, uh, a no. dog with rabies. Holding down the fort, I think. Uh, I would like the Virgin Radio listeners' opinion on holding down the fort as opposed to the original saying, I believe, is holding the fort. Oh, the WhatsApp just the broke. Attack. It just broke. Uh, we're not getting any messages now. <laughs> no, I want to break the internet on this thorny. Oh, when you read out that thing this morning, Graham, about that was it the Spinoza? No, that's it was a, a Spinoni, uh, an Italian Spinoni. You should see the picture, Maria. Um, oh, I mean, what was the I, name of the I, I think it was Florence. I think Florence? it was Florence. Flor- Florence, and she she went two weeks ago, and uh, it's, isn't that lovely that like they just want a shout out on the radio? Just to I know. And dog. when you said about the, you know hearing the tippy tap of Bailey and Mads on your stairs, which haven't got any carpet. I mean, you'd think you you earn enough money for carpet, but they were. <laughs> um, I have a little dog that um, somebody bought me for the new dog because I lost Dolly last May, and someone bought a little brown sort of poodly thing. And this morning it was sort of sitting on the sofa, having been, you know, played with and attacked. And it just sort of, you know, that momentary glance that you do and you remember a dog. And I was thinking, goodness, it's just like losing a dog is absolutely just like losing people because you just still have those flashbacks, don't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. And But you wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, in your circumstances, you would have a different way because it was a, a terrible end and da, da, da. But for most people who lose dogs, it's very, very sad. But you, you have to just, you know, just remember that, most of it was just great. Uh, whereas most people, there's quite a lot of it's terrible. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have to kind of... Good. Edit. I like have... that you put a negative spin on losing your dearest loved ones. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? You have to edit out all the rows you had, how annoying they were, that money they owed you. And uh, whereas, you know, dogs, it's just, it's more or less 95% lovely, I would say. You know. Yes, and I want to say to those people who have lost Florence... Get another dog. Get another dog. You have excess love in your heart now that is pining for Florence. And if you can transfer it, as, like I did, to a horrible little thing that wheeze and poos inside, um, <laughs> it it kind of alleviates a lot of that that um, loss. Yeah, so, because you're you're distracted by irritation and uh, <laughs> and cleaning. Good. I, I'm loving your negative spin on most things. Good. Virgin Radio. Maria. Right. Um, we've got two rather thorny problems today, Graham, and there was such a big response yesterday, so I'm hoping Virgin Radio listeners will be just as helpful today. Here we go. Dear Graham and Maria, my husband is a wonderful man. He's so supportive and loving, but his confidence in a work capacity has completely gone, and he hasn't worked for over a year. I support us financially, which is totally okay, if it weren't for the fact that I hate my job and am verging on a breakdown. I want to sell our house and downsize, live a simpler life and reduce the pressure on my earnings. But my husband thinks we have to keep pushing and building our assets. I hate to say it, but I feel it's easy for him to say because he doesn't have the responsibility of paying the bills or putting a roof over our heads. We don't have children together and we have no other major commitments. I really want to run for the hills and save my sanity, but he doesn't support that. 
I know he's only doing the best thing for us in the long run, but I don't think I can cope. If I bring it up, then it somehow sounds like I'm criticising him for not working, which I'm absolutely not. I want to work and I'm happy to provide, but not at this level or at this personal cost. I feel trapped and very on edge and I can't risk making my husband feel worse about his situation. Please help. And that is from Pam in Inverness. Oh, Pam in Inverness. Do you know what I want to say to you? Look, doing a job like this, it's <clears throat> if, it, if the personal cost to you and your health and your mental well-being is too great, you have to reconsider. You have to sit down and talk to him about this. Not about him not working, but about your stress and strain. Because you say <clears throat> you don't have any children and that, you know, he wants to keep pushing and building your assets. What for? What assets do you need? What you need is mental well-being and peace and calm and a happy life. And that is not where you are at the moment. You know, yes, of course. Um, keep pushing and building your assets and he's only doing the best thing for you but he's not contributing in any way and you say he's lost his confidence etc I get that I think what's going on here Pam from Inverness is that there's a transference from him of he's trying to turn you into the sort of double person so that you're providing as as well as him and this is him supporting you but it's not supporting you it's making you feel very guilty um to not want to keep going so i mean i do think a happy peaceful calm life where you can enjoy things and we, we don't get we're not here long where you can enjoy your life enjoy each other is so much better than building assets i'm just thinking what would they be that will make up for the stress and anxiety that you're going through you have to really be honest with him and you know reassure him that it's not about him not working but maybe if you move somewhere else you start a little business together cottage industry work together something where you're not earning so much money not having to worry so much if you get sick and poorly pam and you can't cope anymore and you have a breakdown no one is going to be earning and then you might lose everything so i think it's the the least lesser of two evils to downsize graham Wow, uh, you catastrophize that very easily. <laughs> and then you've lost everything. Uh, thank you very much. Well, it's normally your job to catastrophize, but you know what? If someone is really struggling and they can't cope and then it all goes belly up, yeah, there's no, no money coming in. I agree. Look, I think what's weird, Pam, is you start your letter with that sentence, my husband is a wonderful man, he's so supportive and loving, and then go on to describe... <laughs> A man who is none of those things. Um, I think he's sort of gaslighting you. He's trying to kind of, he's trying to cast himself in the role of victim here, kind of the hard done by person. And no, don't have it, Pam, because you know you can't have it every which way. You know, if if you're not confident enough to go out to work, then you will not be living in as nice a house. You will not be, you know, drinking the lovely things, eating the nice things, going on the nice holidays. So, you know, he's got to accept that. Now, the thing I would say to you, Pam, is I wonder if you're slightly... Uh, you know, baby in bathwater in that, yes, you hate your job and it's very stressful and you don't like it. But I wonder if running away to a small holding and, you know, growing some carrots is going to be the, the kind of, you know, the panacea you think it's going to be. I think you might be a bit bored, to be honest, Pam. You think um, there's a middle ground somewhere here? Yeah, I think certainly. Look, if you've got a house that's too big for you, sell it. 
get some cash and that'll be lovely take some take some time off um you know downsize but don't i wouldn't uh, you know i think you know the good life was a sitcom for a reason because you know it's it's not real life uh i mean i know people do it and 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 some people do it really successfully but i think a lot of people kind of do it and then kind of think, this is very hard work isn't it uh, it's it's not what you think it's going to be. It's all day, every day, kind of weeding and doing whatever. You know, yes. I, I just what think... What do you think, Graham, of the fact that Pam's husband is saying she needs to keep pushing and building their assets? I mean, what assets do they need? Well, I guess he's thinking of their dotage and pensions and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, if he was that worried about it... <laughs> He'd leave the house. Um, so, I, I, you know, it, it's, yeah, I, 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 I feel Pam has slightly uh, been duped by her husband, where he, you know, she's, she's walking on eggshells around him when, in fact, uh, you know, she needs to be taking care of herself. That's what I would say. Yeah. yeah, I think Pam in Inverness, because obviously we're just two people burbling away about nothing really very important. <laughs> I think if you, Pam, if you um, went to marriage guidance or something, not to because you need it, but because you need to get over this thorny issue. And you need to also find out why your husband has lost his confidence and will it ever come back and he's work capacity, etc. I mean, he must be bored. He's lo- the, the, These things feed themselves. You lose your confidence, you stay at home, you lose more confidence. When is he going to be like this for the rest of his life? You know, I just think you need both of you help in moving forward, both with your assets, etc., and your husband's confidence. Uh, I don't think Graham and I can actually really do anything about that. Well, because, yeah, you married him. Graham's Guide. The responses part one. And my favourite responders today, in honour of Valentine's Day, will be getting Waitrose Truffles and Bubbles. You get a bottle of Prosecco, and then you can choose which Waitrose Truffles you want. You get a dark chocolate, champagne, or salted caramel. All equally delicious. Uh, how gorgeous would that be? Our first letter was from Pam in Inverness. Uh, Now, here's the problem. Uh, Her husband has lost his confidence with work. Uh, He hasn't worked for over a year. So Pam supports them financially and, oh, happy to do so. But uh, her job, she hates it. And she's sort of a woman on the verge. Uh, You know, she, she really fears for her mental health. She might have a breakdown. She really hates this job. She would love for them just to sell the house they have downsize, lead a simpler life, but a happier, she feels a happier life. Uh, Husband, who hasn't worked for a year, uh, is going, uh, no, 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 we must keep pushing and building our pension pot and, you know, doing all those sensible things, da, 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 da. And she feels trapped, on edge, doesn't want to make her husband feel worse about the situation he's in. Uh, What should she do? Here we go. Thanks for all your responses today. Uh, Ashley in Liverpool says, Poor Pam. She needs to prioritise her sanity and well-being. I guided my friend through a similar situation. Her partner refused to work, saying he had anxiety issues. All seemed to be a tall tale and he enjoyed the life of Riley as my friend worked 45 hours a week. She booked an appointment at the GP for him and, on my advice, she accompanied him. Even the GP questioned why he couldn't get a job. It worked. Pam needs to give him a reality check by bringing in professional external advice. Is that a great phrase? Professional external advice. There you go. 
Lewis in Banbury says, Pam definitely should explain that she can no longer work in a job she doesn't like. During uh, a company relocation, I was forced to choose between a house that we hated and one that was still expensive. But if I lost my job, I felt happy to retire in. This provided a pleasant experience every time I came home. Two years later, I transferred to a job that I hated. My wife said I was like a zombie. The money was good, fantastic pension, but my health was suffering and I left. I look back now and see what I had lost money-wise, but then look at all of the other opportunities taken away. We do not know what is in the future, so make sure you are mentally fit and you will succeed with a positive mental attitude. Your husband will see this as he should understand better than most, uh, having become less effective at work. And that is the thing, Lewis. You kind of think the husband should be really sympathetic because he's the one who was kind of traumatised by the whole work environment uh, but refuses to see that his wife is being traumatised by it. Uh, Geraldine says, uh, poor Pam, her husband clearly doesn't care how stressed uh, she is and how much she doesn't like her job. Give him an ultimatum. Get a job and earn some money or you sell up and downsize. The ball is in his court. Stop babying him and making excuses for his behaviour. He's got no confidence, but has he seen a doctor? Is he getting any treatment? Sounds like he doesn't want to help himself. He just wants you to support him. Pam, tell him straight and think about your mental health and well-being. I like the sound of Geraldine. I am. Stop babying him. Yeah, good on you, Geraldine. And Sally says, First problem sounds as if the husband is anxious about their finances and ability in the future to live the life he wants. I suggest they both go to see a financial advisor to review their circumstances to help them see the choices on working and their lifestyles and form a plan on how long she needs to work and how he can contribute, e.g. by economising, selling any valuables he has. There you go. Uh, all right, thank you very much. Uh, I declare Geraldine the recipient of the Waitrose Truffles and Bubbles. That's the Prosecco and those Waitrose Truffles. Virgin Radio. Maria. Oh. Okay, second problem of Sunday. Dear Graham and Maria, I have recently moved back to the west of Ireland to help my father on the family farm from a busy city life in Dublin where I have spent the past 16 years as an out-gay working professional. Since returning home, I've noticed that my mother, who in the past has had her difficulties with alcohol, has continued to drink. Since I've not been resident in the family home for many years, I've not been aware of the full extent of her difficulties. Things are very bad. It's clear that she needs help, but the subject can't even be mentioned. What's worse is my father has also buried his head in the sand. Despite repeated attempts to draw their attention to this, particularly my father, they don't listen. I end up being made the scapegoat, there we are, and the scene is reminiscent of some teenage drama 20 years previous. There's a lot at stake in the situation as my mother's name is on the family farm and she uses this at will to blackmail me saying things to me like, remember who owns the land. So many people have told me just to sever all ties and walk away. As you can appreciate, that's easier said than done. Help. And that is from John in County Mayo. John in County Mayo, this is really a thorny one. I mean, you have to remember, John, in County Mayo, you couldn't have a lovely life in Dublin, 16 years, working professional. (sighs) You went home to help. Um, on the farm to return home to help and that covers many areas that's not just mucking out and milking or whatever that is the situation with your mum and dad by not tackling this this is your father 
and you, you are enabling this situation. This situation is like, we won't mention it, keep it buried. Uh, it will resolve itself. It won't. It will just get worse. You know, it's so difficult. And I'll, there'll be lots of people who absolutely identify with you, John, uh, about how do you tackle this? I mean, I know you're in the West of Ireland, but there are AA meetings and Al-Anon, which is for families of people who have drink problem to help, you know, to try and help together. You need to sit down and have a sort of family collective discussion about this. Your mum will, of course, dissemble and say, no, it's just a drink here and there. But if it's getting problematic, and it clearly is, your dad has to step up. Um, it's a bit of a worry that your mum's name is on the family farm. <sighs> You know, all of these things can be helped by talking to people, by talking to others in this situation, by talking to others who have overcome it, who are going through it, etc. I don't think it's something you can do alone. But you also need your mum's kind of um, will to come along with you. If not, you and your dad. Go off with your dad and take him to an Al-Anon meeting so you can... Get some of all of this out and then slowly but surely, hopefully, it's not going to happen overnight, you can get your mum on board as well. I'm so sorry, John and County Mayo. This is a really difficult problem that is going to take a long time to unravel. Graham? Well, look, John, I think there's two things going on here. I think well, you've gone home to help, fine, but... The trouble is you've come home and I think you somehow think you're going to be the saviour, that you've come out, you can fix things. You can't fix things, John. These aren't children, these are adults. And these are they're deeply entrenched in this behaviour now that your mother's drinking and your father ignores it. And that's how they just get through the days. And, and because neither of them are acknowledging the problem, you, standing over one side of the room, can never fix this problem because as far as the people who have the problem are concerned, there isn't one. Uh, now, if you get your dad to an Al-Anon, that may help, but the person who has to finally acknowledge this problem is your mother. And it doesn't sound like that's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think you need to sever ties, but... I would certainly move away. I think, you know, you just got to look. I, I came home. I was hoping to help here. I don't want to be part of this. Um, so you better hire someone to help. And I'm going back to Dublin. Da, da, da. And maybe that would be the wake-up call your mother needs. But it doesn't sound like it's going to be. Uh, I, and it's it's horrible to watch someone you love kind of, you know, destroy themselves like this. But you, I don't think you can help. If you if you had at least had your dad on side, there might be some hope. But I think Well that's what I th think. I mean, two out of three, if his dad goes with him and you know, but, but this situation a... works because the dad doesn't want to see the problem either. Exactly. So, exactly. But and this John has, been going has had on to go decades. back to help because they can't cope. So clearly, it's not a functioning, you know, alcoholic relationship. It's it's all falling apart. And John is trying to help, but he can't do it alone. You're absolutely right. But I do think you need some professional advice on this, John. Yeah, no, absolutely. Get some, and certainly you can go to Alanon because they will help you, kind of. Uh, kind of navigate your way through this but it's so hard watching someone you love 
damage themselves like this. Uh, so don't watch them. <laughs> I would say just, you know, get back to Dublin and maybe you making a big gesture like that will be the shock they need. I don't know. I'm sure people have been in this situation. Uh, so do uh, WhatsApp us. It's plus four four triple three double zero triple three double zero. That's for John in County Mayo or indeed Pam in Inverness. Uh, Maria, have a lovely week and I'll talk to you next weekend. Uh, yes, lots of love to you all. <laughs> Goodbye. What? Who's this? Who's the, I can hear a voice. Uh, <laughs> all right, darling. Bye. Take care of yourself. Bye for now. Okay. Bye bye. Yeah, responses part two. That's what's happening now. And uh, my favourite responder will, of course, be getting those Waitrose truffles and bubbles. A bottle of Prosecco and your choice of truffles, dark chocolate, champagne, or salted caramel. Uh, our second problem was such a sad one. Uh, John, he's in County Mayo. He moved back to the west of Ireland to help his father on the family farm. Uh, John had been uh, working in, in Dublin where he spent the last 16 years as an out gay working professional. Now, he gets home and he knew his mum drank but now he's seeing, because he's there all the time, he sees the full extent of it and it's bad. Uh, but the mother doesn't want to talk about it. The father sticks his head in the sand and when he tries to bring it up, uh, you know, they sort of scapegoat him and it just all goes back in time to his teenage years and they're just having those circular rows that parents and children do. Uh, and, you know, it's 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 a tale as old as time. You know, how do you help someone that you love who won't help themselves? Uh, thank you very much for your responses on this. Uh, John and Sally Bridge. Speaking to someone about alcohol who has a problem is never easy. I know from experience. They are so defensive because they know they have a problem but don't want to admit it. You can't make a person admit they have a problem. Only they can. Al-Anon has already been spoken about. But speak to your family and get their support. Actually, I don't know if John's got brothers and sisters. We don't know. Um, get their support. Uh, speak to your father one-on-one to find out what he is thinking. The only way you will get through this is if the rest of your family stand together and support each other. Faye from C- Seaford says, John, please don't desert your parents. They clearly need help. Perhaps your going home is their secret cry for your help. Good luck. And I suppose they know they need help, so they asked him back. They... <laughs> <laughs> sort of like, could you keep your help outside? Could you lift some heavy things? Uh, but don't talk to us about these things when you get inside. Uh, Gavin says, I moved home to Belfast from working in Dublin for a similar reason after a very successful 11 years. John needs to switch the mirror on his mom. How much is she drinking? If it was you, John, and your mother saw how much drink was being consumed, how would she deal with it? As Graham says, this is habitual, a very slow burner. One thing I heard was Jane Fonda's reason for giving alcohol up was that she always felt at half-mast the day after and hated it. I wish you well, John and Mayo. Good routines need to rule over bad. Best of luck. And Charlotte Shortage says, To the lovely man with the alcoholic mom, I too am a gay child of parents with a similar issue. As heartbreaking as it is, I really don't think it's possible to help them in this situation. The patterns he describes, the teenager behaviour in himself, when discussions escalate and so on, are hardwired and need engagement from all parties to and pick. I wholeheartedly agree that the best thing this mom can do is at least protect his own his own life and happiness and move away again. Oh, this man could do, yeah. Uh, it is not a failing to change your mind having moved back to your farm to help. Choosing one's own sanity is the very opposite. 
His parents may or may not find the courage to change, but if they do, it will be independent of whether or not their son is living with them. I wish them all the very best of luck. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I'm going to give the uh, truffles and bubbles to Charlotte. That's who I'm going to give them to. There you go. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Still to come, John Power, the singer with cast, is here to talk about the band's new album, Love is the Call. But before that, there's a chocolate pudding to be consumed. Ding, ding. Martha Collison, show chef's here. Hello. Round of applause for Martha. Uh, how are you? Yes, I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Yes, I am. Uh, so now, this is a, a... This is a... It's it's. How many... Is this a dessert for two? It's a dessert for two. You might be able to guess, but we're uh, heading towards Valentine's yeah. Day. <laughs> I mean, it's a very healthy dessert for two. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It's got orange in it. Yeah. No, but it's like, what I mean is a good portion. Oh. No one's, no one's going... Like, hu- Graham, this is definitely... Not healthy. No, not it's healthy. A, it's, no one's going hungry. No one's going hungry. Oh, no, this is a, it's a generous, a generous dessert. Yeah. And this is one of those things, the melting chocolate orange pudding. So it's one of those things that we order in restaurants and we yes. buy because it always seems... Like it just—it seems impossible. You got you as you eat it. You think, I wonder how on earth you could make this, but you've done it. I have. I mean, I feel like I have taken the slightly easier road. Well, the recipe's taken the easier road in the sense it's not one of those ones that you have to turn out. Those put the fear into you. (laughs) (laughs) Those are ones you want to order in a restaurant because turning those out and hoping that they are firm enough to stay up like a castle, but running in the middle is anyone's game. So doing it in a little ramekin, especially a big ramekin where you can share it. You've got a much higher chance of that runny centre. The bigger, the bigger you go with your pots. So. Yeah, because I feel like when we were kids, this didn't exist as a dessert. Oh. Like I feel like this is a kind of a relatively new invention. The idea of the melting chocolate pudding thing. It could well be. I feel like we were we were children at slightly different times. There's that. <laughs> so there is I'm, that. When I'm... I say we. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, we 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 uh, yeah we'd angel delight. Oh, <laughs> do you know what I do? An love instant angel whip. <laughs> yeah. Far far from a melting chocolate pudding, I was reared. Uh, so yes, maybe you had them as a child. But I feel like I feel like I can remember these arriving in the kind of late eighties. Ooh. That's when I think these arrived. Sounds likely. I remember having goo those goo pots. <gasps> yes. That was, a, that was a treat. That was a high treat. That was like birthdays, special days. The goo in the little ramekins that yeah. you never know what to do with afterwards. <laughs> I haven't seen goo for a while. Are they, are they still going? I think they're still going. Oh, oh, we've had a thumbs up from next door. Yes, Jack's they're had a goo. <laughs> they're ja- still going. Oh, he had one last night. Yes. <laughs> well, now he can make his own. Yeah, no, I, I'm rarely on that aisle, Jack. But uh, there you go. Uh, or, and, it, and and I say you, we never make it yourself. And yes, you, you've done it in a ramekin. But is it is it difficult? Is this a tricky thing to do? Or if this goes wrong, is it still edible because it's just full of delicious things? Oh, definitely still edible, which is always a good sign of a dessert that it's got a little bit of maybe pressure on it to be perfect. <laughs> but quite straightforward. I'll, I'll let you in on a secret, which is that I actually forgot my electric whisk today. So I had to do this by hand and it worked and it wasn't too hard. So you can do it with minimal kit. <laughs> That's good to know. Because do you think like on Valentine's Day, I mean, the thing of going to restaurants is just bedlam. 
absolute bedlam. Yes. Uh, but equally, you know, if you're not used to cooking for people, it's <laughs> yeah. quite high pressure. It's to... a bit come time with me, isn't yeah, it? it? I've it never made bit. this before. <laughs> I'm going to try, yeah. try it for you, my loved one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hope you don't get sick. Uh, <laughs> So I, I, in terms of how much time, how much time is involved in making this? No, nice and quick. And if you remember to, to bring a whisk, it's a lot quicker. It's a lot quicker. <laughs> no, because I'm just thinking about people coming home from work and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, and, no, it's about, suddenly... about 15 minutes. Oh, you're Easy. laughing. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. I would like to congratulate myself on being very restrained there. <laughs> I did not eat the entire uh, melting chocolate orange pudding. I think I, I had under half, I think. Yeah, no, I'm impressed as well. Yeah, <laughs> I could have eaten the whole thing. It is so uh, delicious. Uh, it really, really is good. If you made that, yeah, someone's going to say I love you at the end of this. They, they really are. Doesn't matter who they are, yeah. what relation yeah. they are to you, yes, they yes, will yeah. love you. Yeah, I love you. Uh, tell us how we make it. So we're going to start by melting together some butter and then the kind of cheat in this recipe which makes it so simple is that we're using Waitrose number one chocolate and it's spiced orange flavour so it's got these little cubes of orange zest in there Oh come on and some lovely warm spicing so you don't have to add you don't have to get six different things out of the cupboard you just get one lovely bar of chocolate half of it goes into the mix and you have the other half for little kind of you know after dinner <laughs> coffee mm. little cubes mm. um, so that you want to melt together the butter and the chocolate kind of either over a pan of boiling water or in the microwave until it's nice and smooth. Then we're taking two eggs, one whole egg and one yolk and whisking that together with some sugar and some vanilla extract. You can do this by hand if you really want to work out. <laughs> but I would recommend the electric hand whisk. Okay. <laughs> then it's only three to six minutes. Speedy. So get that nice and fluffy and foamy. Then we're just going to mix together the two, the chocolate with the eggs, fold yeah. it together till nice and combined. A tiny bit of plain flour, just two teaspoons. So if you're gluten-free, you could make this really easily as well by just using gluten-free flour at that point. Okay. Fold that through. Then it goes into a ramekin. You want one that's kind of a super-sized ramekin, big enough for two people, like a camembert baking pot, if you've ever, people if people have got those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a, a kind larger of kind of tapas one. Yes. Yeah. A tapas ramekin. Then it goes into the oven 200 degrees for seven to nine minutes. And then you want to basically just give it a little wobble. So give you a little oven tray, a little wobble, and you want it to be slightly molten in the middle, just wobbling, and then on the edge it will be set. Take it out of the oven, let it stand for a couple of minutes so you don't burn the mouth of whoever you love. Yeah. Then top it with a little bit of ice cream, a bit of orange zest, maybe a bit of icing sugar if you're feeling bougie. Yeah. And that's that. Dribble of Cointreau. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, now, here's the thing. I always thought that somehow they injected the... <gasps> thing into the middle oh. so it's just but it's just uncooked yeah it's just it has to be kind of warmed through but not it doesn't get cooked long enough to set but if you do leave it in long enough just call it a brownie and no one will know <laughs> <laughs> that's just be non-committal i'm making your chocolate orange pudding yeah so can you can you turn kind of could you turn a, a brownie into a, if you didn't leave brownies in for long enough would they just be like gooey in the middle and they and... would they would be i feel like because this recipe is so minimal on the flour that's the thing which isn't very nice to have uncooked because there's only two teaspoons yeah it's not too too much of a problem but if it's a recipe like a victoria sponge cake for example and it's runny in the middle lots of flour going on there that would just be raw you'd be tasty it wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't be quite as nice <laughs> mm, it's my melted victoria sponge <laughs> do you like it <laughs> uh, no no i don't uh, it is a melting chocolate orange pudding and it i mean uh, listen it's 
you could do it Valentine's, but you do do it any time. Oh, yeah. any day of the week. And you could use different flavours of chocolate as well. So you haven't got to be resigned to chocolate orange if that's not your thing. You could use mint chocolate. You could use kind of probably, still stick to a dark one, I think, or it would be too sweet. But any dark chocolate with little bits of fruit and nut would be lovely. Ooh. Gorgeous. All right, if you want that recipe, you can head to waitrose.com slash showchef and you can find that recipe and indeed all of Martha's recipes. You could also check out how beautiful it looks on our socials. Go to at Virgin Radio UK. It is as simple as that. Uh, Martha, have a lovely week and I'll see you next weekend. Thank you. See you next week. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, we can wait no longer. Cast frontman John Power joins us now. Hello, John. Hello, Graham. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, what a time to be the cast frontman. Uh, cast are busy. We are busy, yeah. It's um, it's exciting times again, really. Yeah. You know, it's it's firstly it's good to be back, but it's good to be back with some new music, music that we feel is captured an energy in that, you know. And yeah. Um, so yeah, things. I'm talking to you. We've got the record out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got tours and things and gigs and all sorts of things well, going listen, the, on. The album. Let's talk about the album. Uh, this is Love Is the Call, and that's going to be on the 16th of Feb. That's right. Yeah. So you can pre-order that now. Yes, correct, Graham. Have you ever pre-ordered anything, John? Um, uh, fast food. <laughs> I, don't, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I really. mean, I might have pre-ordered a book once, but yeah. well, only by accident. Yeah. I I'm thought not, it was out. I'm not really a pre-ordering sort <laughs> yeah, of guy. Yeah, and yet that we're all told, oh. Get people yeah, to pre-order. I'm very impulsive. Spontaneity, <laughs> you know, spontaneity is my thing. Like you know, um, no. So yeah, but we're hoping people do. Oh yeah, well, there's a lot of people out there. Who yeah, like we're to, hoping other people live differently than we do. They like to pre-order yeah. stuff. That's Come on, yes. pre-order that album. It's out on the 16th of February. And I'm told that the album started with one track. You did one track. Well, basically, I um, well, it started with a conversation with Alan McGee. And, um, you know, we were talking about things, music and all that, and he just kind of told me quite clearly, you know, John, what you've got to go and do is go away and write a fantastic record, not just a good record. Go away and write a fantastic record. And I kind of instantly, I just kind of knew what he meant. So I went back and found this kind of place, uh, for like an inspirational place. I hadn't really um, explored, really, and it was this place that I'd kept fertile, shall I say, between the end of the band I was in, the Lars, yeah. and the beginning of all of Cast, which was all change. I had this little space that I'd never really gone back to because I'd looked at those two bands as separate entities yeah. instead of looking at it as just me, one. Yeah. You know, and so I went to this place and I started getting really. Uh, so when you say the place, do you mean kind of like songs you'd kind of half written or? No, it was more an idea that I'd kept close to my heart, kept kept, kept dear to myself. It was um, it was a place where I could find inspiration to not parody something that had been successful, okay, and yeah. not not try and imitate something else yeah, that, no, no, that no, I, I know may exactly have been. What you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I had yeah, to yeah. find this real, and and I had it there. I'd always yeah. this is the record that I'd always wanted to make. The band needed to make. But had never made it, so it, it it feels like a debut. Really, it's fresh. It's got all this energy, um, and that was the magic. I think that that I kind of plugged into. That and sense. I love it's so old school. So you decide, let's make an album. Let's go to Spain. I yeah. mean, that, like it sounds like a disastrous idea yeah. because suddenly, oh look at all this red wine yeah. and tapas. Yeah. Uh, oh, what album? Uh, well, it was. I mean, we worked with a guy called Youth, 
who's like this amazing... What's his name? Youth. Youth? Yeah, uh, he's a very... He's kind of... He's a massive... Um, <laughs> he's actually the bass player in Killing Joke. Oh, OK. But he's also a, a, a massive uh, producer. He's made loads of hits, made loads of... Done loads of great music. But he's got this studio he built, Space Mountain, in the Andalusian Mountains, about 40 miles from Granada. And we flew over there last um, January while it was all grim and rainy over here. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. we landed in the mountains there. And we had three weeks, blue sky, wind howling. But just this great creative process, all these kind of almond groves all over the place. But we really got into this kind of rolling routine, up in the morning, writing lyrics, arranging, going downstairs with the band to record. And we just captured the wind in our sails. And yeah. uh, I was a little bit, you know, it's that fine line between excitement and anxiety, you know, where you've got something that you, you, you want to make and you, you've got all these big ideas for it. And then, so once it started rolling, we, we kind of just, I just ran with it. And I just knew I was onto something that felt really good. And it kind of liberated me to talk to you and also, say, go on, yeah, sorry. But it just must be that thing, the pressure to come home with something. Yeah. You can't come home from Spain kind of going, yeah. no, didn't no, happen. just like a donkey <laughs> and a sombrero or something like that, you know, and a red wine stain on my T-shirt. We've been doing the album, darling, honestly, you know. But, um, no, we came back and it, basically, I think when you, as an artist, there's many times where I've tried to, like, write things or do things. And, you know, good intentions. And they're all, they're all they're always good of a certain standard. But when you do make something that genuinely captures the vision of what you, you set out to do, then um, it's a, you, you feel liberated. I feel detached. I don't feel so... Even though I'm, I'm really talking to you about it, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. don't feel that needy that I've got to... Oh, you've got to like it. No, but I can tell, I that you're, but I can like tell you're very proud of it and yeah, you're very pleased yeah, I feel, with it. Yeah, I feel yeah. quite confident and, and cool, yeah. shall I say, about I'll it. I'll tell you what, let's play the single and okay. we'll talk about everything else going yeah. on in your life. Uh, what can you tell us about Far Away? What, what do you want us to well, know? Well, Far Away is that sort of classic uh, pop song, I think, on, on this record. It's uh, It's kind of, you know... The voice that we all have sometimes, you know, it it feels like you're so distant from yourself or from people aren't, you know, this it's such a fast moving world that sometimes you can you can find yourself just kind of calling out to the uh, ether and not finding anything. Uh, but this song is probably about the fact that we all recognise that feeling. And it's just a, an ethereal sort of wistful uh, pop song about that. I don't want to dissect it too much. Because then uh, that, that, that puts it in a box. And but, it'll yeah. be dead on the tape. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about live gigs. You are doing your own tour, your own headline tour. Yeah, um, that kicks off very soon. Kicks off on uh, March the 1st in Glasgow. Um, so that's going to be, you know, we're really looking forward to that. We're going to be playing, obviously, some of the old classics. But obviously, we're very excited as a band with the new material. Yeah, so yeah, we'll yeah. be doing, you know, a, a lot of that as well. Um we're also playing for you lot, aren't we, on the, on the, on the 14th? Yes, so on, so on message, so on brand. Yeah. Uh, you're doing a very special Valentine's Night yeah. uh, gig here at the top of the tower. Yes. Um, and you've, you've just seen just the space. I just had a little look at the space. Yeah. What a space. I mean, like, we're, firstly, we're like right up. You can see right across London's skyline. But it's a bit, it's a, it looks like a really good place for a band. It's going to be a full band performance. Valentine's Day. Love is the call. 
I mean, where are we going with this? I know. If people want to be there, you can go to, you can register now. You go to virginradio.co.uk slash win and uh, you could get a ticket for you and someone else and you play. Then there'll be DJ sets till about 10 and people can have yeah. a drink and enjoy the view. And like you're seeing it during the day. Yeah. In the evening, it's even more spectacular. Yeah, you were saying that. Yeah, I imagine yeah. like, Jewel and laden sort of. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, we should also mention your summer gigs. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're, well, we're doing, as I say, once we hit the road in March and then we go out again with Liam Gallagher in June, we're opening on his uh, Definitely Maybe tour, which is amazing. It's a massive thing for us. It's, it's a great, firstly, it's going to be great, a great show. Liam's, you know, I get yeah, on with yeah, Liam. Yeah. I've got a good history with him. Uh, he's doing Definitely Maybe, their album, which is their debut we're going to be doing songs off All Change, which was our debut. We're doing a few new songs as well. But it's a great opportunity to reconnect with like a lot of the audience maybe who, who, who love cast and don't realise they do because it's been so long yeah. maybe. And also new, you know, new kids yeah. who go on the show. So yeah, it's a massive year for us. And what does that do? Because you know, you're doing your headline gig yeah. as, as cast. Do you approach it in exactly the same way or do you have to kind of go dial your ego down and kind of go, yeah. okay, we're, we're opening yeah. for somebody? Well, no, it, I think the band performing at the moment or so the last couple of years, we, we've hit this kind of, we really are on on the top of our kind of arc, you know, we're just kind of been doing it for so long now that we, as performers, you, we've got a looseness that you, you just don't understand when you're young because you, you're intense, you're trying, you know, you, you think speed and intense energy is, is what it's all about. Yeah. But actually there's a looseness that we've got. So uh, no, we'll just be doing our thing, wherever I perform, whether it's in the Virgin show, you know, or whether it's on in front of twenty thousand people with Liam Gallagher, or it's on our own tour. We, we, we. Once I hit that chord, sing that first note of the of the melody, I'm in the zone. Like, and is it different? Like when you're doing, like in a minute, we're just gonna play. We're playing um, all right. From, oh wow, from that, yeah. From, yeah. Like when you play something like that, is that like putting on old slippers? Like, what's it like compared to playing the new stuff? No, well, I'm gonna tell you the truth now. There was a time. Um, 20 years ago or 15 years where I stopped playing all them songs all the old stuff all the songs that made the band successful because I kind of fell out with who I was and I just couldn't go back to it I could just, and I wasn't interested and then over a period of time I made my peace with myself and my peace with the songs and I was talking recently about how when I'm singing Walk Away or All Right or Fine Time or any of those great kind of earlier cast songs I, they feel as fresh they feel as fresh as today. I mean, I can't... I've rediscovered the, the beauty of performing right in the moment. And so they don't feel... No, I, I feel like I've just written them. Oh, wow, that's And that's very... That's, I think that's a beautiful place. And that's why maybe I'm full of enthusiasm for playing the old stuff because I've balanced it with, with new stuff now as well, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, I always think with hits... So no slippers, Yeah, <laughs> no slippers. But I think with hits, it's always weird because... It, Yes, they're still your songs, but then they kind of belong to the audience well, as do. well now. Yeah, well, that's that's the that's the truth. Basically, people interpret a song. I can say what it's about. I can perform it, and I can put my own sentiment into it or emotion. But it's it, it's the people who listen 
who give it a life of, of its own. Yeah. You know, I mean, Walk Away, for instance, some people go on about the, 90, uh, the 96 kind of European chat. England got knocked out and the whole nation were crying to walk away, you know. But other people, you know, they needed, they come up and they say, this was, you know, I was in a relationship and I didn't quite know how to get out of it and this gave me all I was doing. You know, there's so many stories. Yeah. I mean, I see people kissing and crying, you know, in the audience, you see this these emotions, and I'm like, well, you know, some people are just. I mean, it's. A, I think that's the beauty of music. This kind yeah. of abstract aesthetic that people can grab hold of, and give it life. Tell tell their own story, their story, to the sound by, in it, sound of, of the song, like you know. Well, hopefully, people will be kiss, kissing and crying yeah. you know, at the top of the tower yeah. on the 14th of February <laughs> for your special gig uh, where you're playing new songs from Love is the Call as well as some of your hits. Uh, by the way, you, you go to virginradio.co.uk slash win uh, if you want to register for that. And if you want tickets for any of other cast live dates, you can go to castband, all one word, castband.co.uk and you'll find all their uh, schedule there and all the, yeah, the dates and uh, tickets and everything. Uh, John, thank you so much for thank coming you, to see us. It's been a pleasure. Uh, well, an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you very much. Lovely yeah. to talk to you. Thanks so much for listening to The Graham Norton Show with Waitrose. You can catch me every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio. Follow us on all our socials to keep up to date and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find loads of great interviews and live sessions. Chat soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.